it. But Daniel chapter number one this morning, if you're there, say amen. The Bible says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with, the part of the vessel, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake to Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he would bring certain of the children of Israel to the king's seed and of the princes children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding and such, as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And that ain't changed either. This world's still coming after the best of God's children. Who? Yours. This world still wants your children this morning. They want to teach them something from what they've already learned in the house of God. Look at verse number five. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which the, the drink, which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort. Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, in the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants." And so he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. And at the end of the ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh and all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Belzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he would bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this morning. Oh, what a blessing it's been to be in your house this morning. Lord, to feel your presence, the Spirit of God moving through this place. Lord, thank you for songs, Lord, that don't just sound good, but God, they help our hearts. They encourage us, God. They strengthen us. God, they move us to worship you and to praise your name. Lord, they help us to raise our hands and say thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. 
Lord, we sure don't deserve anything that you've ever done for us. Lord, we don't deserve to have a church. Lord, we don't deserve to have a family, a right mind. Lord, we don't deserve to be forgiven. But thankful this morning that by the grace of God, we are saved. We ask you this morning, Lord, that you take the reading of your word, bless it. God, you use it for your glory. Lord, would you hide me behind the cross of Calvary this morning? Lord, help me to preach this morning. Lord, fill me up with your spirit, God, and empty me out of myself. We thank you again for this morning, what you're doing, Lord. Work in our hearts and our lives today, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Daniel is no doubt an amazing book in the Old Testament. It's a book full of prophetic dreams and visions, and we could this morning, we could turn over to, to, to Daniel chapter number two this morning as there's that great uh, uh, vision that the king has, that great statue representative of all those different kingdoms. But I'm glad to report to you this morning that not one of those kingdoms will stand when that stone that is cut out without hands crushes it all down. Who is it? That's the Lord. I'm glad this morning I serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords this morning, but we're not hanging out in Daniel chapter number two this morning. We could go to Daniel chapter number five and talk about the writing on the wall. Mine, mine, tikel, a portion. When it took place and, and Daniel interpreted all that. We could talk about that this morning, but we're not going to. We could go over to Daniel chapter number seven. We could talk about those four beasts over there and what they mean and what they represent and who they are. We won't be there this morning. We could go over to the he-goat and the ram of Daniel chapter number eight and discuss all of that and we'd have a wonderful discussion or we could talk about the 70 weeks in Daniel chapter number nine this morning. But we won't be there because there's an interesting thing here this morning that really all of that hinges on a decision that Daniel makes. Not just Daniel makes, but his three Hebrew uh, friends and brethren make. And they, they, they make a, a choice to stand for the Lord. They make a choice to stand for God, and there's some very, very practical realities here this morning in Daniel chapter one, and, and later on in the books uh, of, of Daniel this morning that we'll look at in the coming up weeks, but there's, there's three areas, three stands I've seen made in the book of Jan, Daniel. The first one we'll talk about this morning is a personal stand. It's a, it's a private stand that Daniel makes between him and the Lord, and, 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 and it doesn't necessarily go all the way out to the kingdom but then you go to Daniel chapter number three and there's a public stand. Really, it's where uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't bow down to the king's music. Then you can go further into Daniel and you'll find Daniel praying as he'd had it before time and we see a persecuted stand. And we'll look here this morning at this private stand in Daniel's life and as you read right there, I think it was right there in uh, verse number 17, we see the effect of this stand in Daniel's life. It puts him in a position, it puts him in a place where God, through his grace and God, through his mercy, uses Daniel to interpret these visions and dreams and, and these things that today, thousands of years later, we're still talking about and trying to figure out ourselves. But we see there's this building concept here of these stands in Daniel's life. It, as if they build on top of each other. This one is a small stand and then we get into a bigger stand and then we get into the biggest stand in Daniel's life. And what we can learn from this is one, if you and I are not willing to stand for the Lord in the small things, we're not gonna stand for him in the big things. The big matters, the, the great moments life this morning. The Bible says that in order to be faithful over much, we first have to be faithful over the little in our life this morning. We're going to look at this one as Daniel makes this stand this morning and what seemingly to you and I would be a small thing, but to him it's a big thing because it's what God has called him and wants him 
to do. And we often think this morning, you and I like to sit back and we like to dream about the big instances. What if the government shows up here and tries to shut us? What am I going to do? How am I going to stand? What if the church gets sued for telling the truth? What are we going to do? Right, we would like to think, right, oh, here's, I'm going to keep telling the truth. I'm going to let them have it, and that's great, and that's wonderful. Before you and I ever stand in a circumstance like that, we're going to have to learn how to stand in the small things in life, the things that the world would deem insignificant, unpurposeful. What is my faith is persecuted in a public way? Before there ever be a great stand, there'll be a smaller stand. And don't expect to stand in the big one until you learn to stand in the small one. So we're going to preach on this thought this morning of making a stand in a private way. And as we'll see in Daniel chapter one, the first stand Daniel makes and his four personal friends is a private one, but it sets the precedence for the rest. If I can stand here when nobody else notices and I don't get the credit for it and I don't get recognized, then I'll, I'll have the faith to stand as the, the trials get bigger in my life. Every Christian can learn to take a personal stand like Daniel did by observing the following truths. I want you to notice number one this morning, there's the purpose of it. Why did Daniel take this stand? We, you know, we read the scripture this morning and Daniel along with some other Hebrew children, remember they, they went for the best, they, they went for the, the ones who had no blemish but were well favored and skillful and all wisdom and cunning and knowledge, understanding and science. They, they, they had a, a, a goodness about them, they had understanding about them and they brought them in to Babylon. Now you've got to realize this morning that Daniel in that process has gone from where everybody thinks like him but he talks like him. Everybody associates with the same God that he associates with. And now he's in a completely foreign land. They don't talk the same. Nor do they talk about the same subject matters. Nor do they reverence the same God. Nor do they bow down to the same God. It is completely different. And we see here this morning that Daniel decides to make a stand. When you read Daniel 1, you'll find something very interesting. First of all, you'll find the source of Daniel's stand and the purpose behind it. The why did he do this? But there are some areas that seem like a good area in Daniel's life to take a stand, but he didn't. Right, there, there seemed like, these would have been some good areas to make a scene and, and, and to make yourself look like a good Christian or a good person in that sense, but Daniel doesn't make the stands there. And it's kind of interesting you read down there, and we understand what has come. The, the king has offered to, to feed these Hebrew children of his meat and of his, of his wine. And, and Daniel says, no, I'm not going to eat that. Give me the pulse, the vegetables, the bread, the non-meat products. And what we'll see this morning, well, well why, why would he stand there on a diet issue, supposedly, and not when they changed his name? Look at verse number seven. And unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar. Right, how would you like that? You show up in a foreign kingdom, they tell you, you no longer are, you're no longer going by that name. Now why didn't Daniel throw up his hand and say, hold on a second, no, you will not change my name, you will not, you will not tell me I'm somebody else. Why didn't Daniel throw a fuss there? Because Daniel knew who he was. Long before he ever got into Babylon, he knew who he was. He said, you can change my name. You can call me whatever you want to call me. He said, but I know who I am and I know whose I am. See, Daniel means God is my judge. 
Daniel said, ah, my mom and daddy raised me and taught me the things of God. I, I know whose I am. I know who I am. You can call me what you want to. Hey, this morning, they'll call you what you whatever they want to. They'll, they'll make a fuss about your name. Listen, you know you gotta believe it because they do not identify you. They do not describe you, but rather you and I get our identity from a thrice holy God in heaven and said, I love you. I gave myself for you. I died for you. I rose again. I feel, I think highly of you. Can I say this morning, he didn't throw a fuss when they changed his name. Nor did he, nor did he make a stand when they attempted to re-educate him. Look at verse number four. Children whom no, was no blemish and were favored and skillful in all wisdom in cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such had the ability to stand in the king's palace. Here they go. Whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Why did Daniel say, No. I will not learn your language. I will not learn your, your, your practices. I will not learn your customs. I will not learn your ideology. I will not sit in this class. I will not go through this. You better find somebody else. Because Daniel, just like he already knew who he was, Daniel already knew what he believed. Tell, say what you want to. Teach me your little, your, your, your little sayings and your idioms and teach me your culture and teach me all of that. He said, it's not going to change me. Long before I was in Babylon, long before I was carried away here, it wasn't my choice, it wasn't my, my desire, it wasn't my dream. He said, but I learned long ago that there is only one true God. He's the only one to serve. He's the only one to live for. He'll take care of me. I'll stand before him. He's my judge. I will not stand before you. We see here this morning that Daniel didn't make a fuss. He didn't make a stand when they tried to re-educate him. He was already rooted in what he believed. He could see the Babylonian way for what it really was, nothing but temporal and carnal. And it went in one year and out the other. Can I say this one, when you are grounded in truth, you can hear a whole lot of hogwash and none of it will stick. It'll go in one year and out the other. That's why this morning we, we, we've got to realize as a mom and dad, as parents in our children's lives, it is not the school's job to teach them morality. It's not even the school's job to teach them truth. It's not even the school's job to teach them religion. It's not even the, truth, the school's job to teach them more, the, the moral truths and, and, and integrity. That is to be learned at the house. We've lost generation after generation after generation because we've sent them off to a school to learn things that they ought to have learned at the house. Well, preacher, you know, I, I work, and I, I understand that this morning, but we have a God-given responsibility as mothers and as fathers. The father's the head of the house. That doesn't mean you just get to sit on the couch and drink sweet tea while everybody serves. That means you are to lead and direct and to guide and to educate your family in the things of God this morning. Why Daniel didn't bow down to it. That's why Daniel didn't make the stand there. He said, I already know what I know. I, need every, I already know everything I need to know. I'll sit in your class, I'll play nice, and I'll go through it, but I won't believe a word of it. He didn't, he didn't make a stand when they changed his name. He didn't make a stand when they attempted to re-educate him. But here he does, when he's to make a stand, verse number eight, over the food that was served to him. Now, I don't know about you this morning, I probably would have found myself, don't, don't, listen, my name's already weird enough, I'm already accustomed to it, don't change it or the education system, no doubt. But here, they bring out this meat in this, from the king's own kitchen and from the king's own means. And, and the king, and you gotta realize this morning that in that culture, in that time, this is very odd. Normally, they would not do this. Normally, they would just wipe somebody else out, move 
But here the king is saying, you know what? Not only am I not going to wipe them out, well, I'm going to raise them up, right? I'm going to feed them and take, I'm being gracious and compassionate toward these who I've now conquered, is what Nebuchadnezzar could have said. But we see this one, Daniel says, no. I'm not going to eat that. That seems like a very, very insignificant place to make a stand. But when you begin to realize what is actually going on and what Daniel knew and understand, at this point it makes perfect sense. See, in Daniel's upbringing, Daniel's Jewish culture, when it came time to sacrifice animals unto the Lord, that whole animal was given unto God. Now, the priests, we know that they would live off the sacrifice, but you never went back up and grabbed a piece off for yourself. You gave that wholly to God and that just shows how wonderful God is at providing. God said, yes, I will require a sacrifice from you for the atoning of your sins, but don't you worry. I'll make sure you have enough to still eat. But in Babylon, they didn't, they didn't operate that way. In Babylon, they said, well, why don't we just kill two birds, one stone? We'll sacrifice our animals to our gods and we'll reverence our gods with our animals and then we'll eat them. And so when they bring that meat before Daniel, Daniel understands that this isn't just another pork chop. This isn't just another leg of lamb. This isn't just another piece of chicken. But this is something that has been offered to a false god, to an idol, to, a, to the non-living and true God this morning. And he said, if I partake of that, then I'll say it's okay. I will be giving my condonance to it. My, my, I will be saying that it is all right that I agree with your system of worship. I agree with your beliefs. I agree with your false God. And Daniel said, I can't do that. I can't do that. I've got to make a stand here. Well, why would Daniel not do that? Well, he had a command from God to not do that. We could go back into the, the Levitical law and you'll see where they are not to take of anything <laughs> to take of anything that had been offered up to idols. They were not to partake of it. But it's an interesting thought here. This When you go back to the book of Genesis, what is tied to the first sin? Food. Go to, the, go to Corinthians this morning, and Paul's talking to the church, and he's talking about two brothers sitting down and how if, if that food had been offered up to idols, now we know it doesn't make a difference. We know it doesn't change anything. But if somebody's sitting there of that, of that belief, the best thing we could do is say, no, thank you. No, thank you. I don't want that. It's amazing. And so here, it's tied all back to food, but it's more than just food this morning. And instead of excusing himself, he was honest about it. He didn't say, well, listen, you know, I, I'm, I'm a vegetarian. Daniel didn't say, well, I'm going on a diet. Daniel said, if I partake of that and I eat of that, it may not change anybody else. It may not bother anybody else, but you read down there in verse number eight, he said, it will defile me. Defile, the Bible said defile himself. What does that word mean? It means to pollute, to desecrate, to stain. Daniel said one bite of that will ruin my testimony. One bite of that will, 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 will mess up and will, will cause a division between me and God that I don't want to be there. Daniel said, I've got to make a stand. I've got to make a stand here. And what's interesting, Daniel says, I, I, I. And by Daniel's example, the three other boys hop in on the thing. They said, Daniel, you're right. You don't realize this morning when you and I make a stand, and it's a personal stand, we don't, we don't put it on anybody else. We don't make anybody else join us. But it's amazing when you take a stand for God, even on something, things that are insignificant, you don't know who it encourages. You don't know who it helps this morning. 
We see here the purpose of the stand. Are you willing to take a stand on something that everybody else might deem small or insignificant? Daniel went in Babylon, do as the Babylonians if you want to survive. Daniel said, oh, they can change my name. They can give me their educational garbage. He said, but I can't do that. I got to make a stand here. If nobody else makes it, I'm still going to make it. So we see the purpose of the stand. And this morning, there's going to be some things that people will come up to you and they're going to say, listen, it's not that big of a deal. You don't have to go to church on Wednesday nights. You don't have to go to Sunday school. You don't have to read your Bible every day. You don't have to pray. You don't have to, you don't have to do all of that. You don't got to take the Bible literally. You got to go to Bible college. You don't got to stand up for 30, 45 minutes and yell at people. You don't have to do that. But can I say this morning, it's those things that we know that God is burdened in our heart. That if we don't make a stand for them, we won't make the big stand later on. Starts now. Starts here. We see the purpose of Daniel's stand. We see the plan of the stand. Try to say that 10 times fast. The plan of the stand, verses 9 through 14. We often think that the only way we can stand is loudly, boisterous. Give me a, give me a megaphone, give me a sign. Give me a, a, a people marching with me. Give me all of, all of that. I'm going to yell. I'm going to scream. I'm going to make my point. No. You know why we think that way? Because that's how people do in our generation. That's how people do in our society. But Daniel standing here is actually rather quiet. It's rather small. Matter of fact, there's only five people keen to it at the time. Daniel, three other Hebrews, and the prince of the eunuchs. It's all that know about this. And so it doesn't make sense. In essence, Daniel's, Daniel's, Daniel's not going to change the world here. But he said, I've got to make a stand here. I've got to do it. Here's how I'm going to do it. Look at verse number 9 and 10. Now, realize there was a sovereign relationship that had taken place long before this had ever happened. Look at verse number 9. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love into the eunuchs. He had brought him into favor uh, uh, yeah, God's favor on display. We see it in Daniel's life that, yes, he is in a place where he ought, they ought to have killed him. Right? They conquered him. They, they ought not to even respect him, but yet God has worked this out much like he did in Joseph's life that now he has this relationship with the prince of the eunuchs that is not like every other relationship that's going on in Babylon. I don't think everybody got treated like Daniel got treated. In essence, this wasn't the universal attitude. It says they had tender love towards Daniel, that is compassionate love. And it's more of like when, a, when uh, it speaks of somebody loving their child, taking care of them, just like you and I as a father, you as a mother, you would say, well, what, what wouldn't you do for your children? We say, well, I'd do everything I could to help them out. We see here this morning, that's the attitude that this prince of the eunuchs has towards Daniel. It also gave him favor, goodness, kindness. <laughs> My life, I've seen this play out in, in, in a few different ways, but I remember working at the cabinet shop and there was a man there who had been working there for 31 years. Because he had been there so long, he had earned the nickname Old Man Chuck. He, he, that's what he wanted you to call him. That's what I called him and all that, all that good stuff. But he was, a, he was an interesting fella. I think he had like three good days in his entire life. And he didn't mind telling you off. He didn't mind telling you off, your mama off, and everybody else in your family off. Well, they came to me one day and they said, Tate, we want you to work with Old Man Chuck. I said, what did I do to deserve such a wonderful treatment? <laughs> and they said, no, he needs some help lifting these things up and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and so I went over and I worked with them. 
And I mean, I was one of those, I was on, on ice skates, trying my best not to mess anything up because uh, I didn't want to feel the wrath of old man Chuck. But it was interesting because he talked to me differently than he talked to everybody else. It wasn't because I was, I was a preacher. It wasn't because I, I went to church. Matter of fact, he hardly knew me. But he, it's, it's as if he, he looked at me like one of his grandchildren. And he began to teach me and tell me things. A lot of what I learned in the cabinet shop, I learned from him. And he would just talk to me and he would teach me and he would show me all these things. He would watch me do things. And he'd ask me this, why do you do it like that? I'd say, well, Chuck, it's the only way I know how to do it. He said, let me show you this. And he'd show me things and it simplified the process by like 20, 20 minutes. I just remember learning from him. But he'd be nice to me, talking to me and, and cutting up with me and then somebody else would walk in the shop and he'd say things to them that I can't repeat. He would let them have it. And I thought, what in the world have I done? Right? And then people were like, how do, how, do you, how do you work with old man Chuck? And I, and now I'm looking, the Lord just gave me favor. Right? The Lord just was going before me, making the crooked places straight. And this is what happens in Daniel's life. God has allowed this relationship to blossom in his life and to be there in his life because had it been anybody else, and Daniel would have said, hey, I'm not going to eat that. Ain't no telling how the story would have ended. But God has placed the right person in Daniel's life at the right time so he can make a stand for him. And it was a simple course this morning. Daniel said, listen, we won't eat any meat. Just give us pulse. Well, how many of you think pulse sounds appetizing? <laughs> can you imagine going to the restaurant and give me a big bowl of that pulse, please? Right, that's not what we go to the restaurants for. for. But in essence, it's a simple course. He, verses 11 through 14, he, he tells him, he said, hey, listen, prove us. Let it, let it prove us. This is test us. Give us a trial period. Now, Melzar appeals this. He said, listen, now, you don't understand. Listen, you know, you go before the king and you look sickly because all you've ate is pulse and all you've drank is water. You know, the king will just dismiss you. He may even send you back to your homeland or, or you know, worst off, he'll probably kill you, but at least you won't have to suffer in Babylon anymore. But Melzar said, if, 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 not only will it affect you, but it'll affect me. He said, I'm scared of what the king's going to do to me. And here's the thing, you've got to remember, personal stands are just that. They're personal. Right? A lot of times we won't make a stand and we get mad when nobody else joins us or nobody else understands this morning. And here Daniel doesn't, ridic Daniel doesn't mock him. Daniel doesn't say, well, don't you know that I'm a Hebrew and don't you know this and don't you know that and don't you know this? And Daniel said, well, hold on a second. Instead of just waiting the three years that we're to stand before the king, give us 10 days. Give us 10 days and after 10 days, we'll make a judgment call. The number 10 in your Bible is an interesting number. It's the number of testimony. And that's the thing I was saying, listen, after 10 days, we'll see what the testimony is. Will God take care of us and provide for us and, and, and give us the health that we need or will he not? After 10 days, we'll see what kind of testimony the Lord will give us. And that's says, Daniel wasn't asking for blind trust. He was just asking for an opportunity. Please let me make this stand. I feel that's what the Lord wants me to do. But also there was a secure faith here. Simple course, secure faith. Sometimes what the Bible says is important. Well, it's always important this morning. But sometimes what the Bible doesn't say can be just as important. Because oftentimes I've read through this and I thought maybe, maybe Daniel had a plan B. He had a backup plan. Well, you know what? After 10 days, work out, then I'll just take part of the king's meat. Uh, if it doesn't happen that way. 
If it doesn't work out the way I feel like God wants it to work out or, or God has told me it's what I'm supposed to do, then I'll, I'll just have a plan B, right? But here's the interesting thing. Daniel never once tells Melzar, hey, listen, if this doesn't work out, we'll eat the king's meat. I dare you to go read Daniel chapter number one and see anywhere Daniel said, you know what, this probably isn't going to happen. This probably isn't going to work. This probably isn't going to actually work out the way we want to. This stand is going to come crumbling down this morning. Well, how in the world could Daniel know that God was going to take care of him if all he ate was pulse and water? Some theologians believe that it was vegetables, no doubt, but it also included the bread and the, 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 the grains that were available there in, in Babylon. So you could say that he was offered just bread and water, pulse and water. Doesn't sound appetizing, but here's the thing. Daniel did have a promise. Where? In Exodus chapter number 23, verse number 25. Here's what God said. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water. And I will take the sickness away from the midst of thee. Daniel said, God already told me he'll take care of me if I'll just honor him. If I'll make a stand for him. Nobody else has to make the stand, but I'm willing to make it because I know God will take. Daniel said, I don't need a plan B. Because God's given me a promise. He's going to take care of me. And here's the thing this morning. When you and I take the stand that God puts in our heart to take and, and it lines up with the word of God and we operate on, 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 a, on a promise of God, you and I don't need a plan B. Because God's going to take care of us. He's going to see us through. And so we see, number one, the purpose of the plan, or the purpose of the stand, the plan of the stand. Are you willing to t- trust the Lord will take care of you when you make a personal stand for him? Notice number three, the production. of What did this stand produce? We often forget in our hindsight when it comes to scriptures that this account actually took place. There's a real man named David. There's a real man named Nebuchadnezzar. There's a real place called Babylon. And there was a real stand made by Daniel for 10 days. I will not eat of the king's meat. I'll only eat pulse water. And after 10 days, I'll stand before the prince of the eunuchs and he'll judge me. And he'll look at us and see if we compare, how we compare to everybody else that isn't making the same stand as us. And we, we, think, we, we know the story, we know the account this morning, but could, I can't help but think what it must have been like for Daniel for those 10 days. What would I have done in those 10 days? I don't know about you, but I, there's, I, I, I'm not susceptible uh, uh, to, to just being perfect all the time, right? I, I have a mind just like you, worry and fear know how to get into my life. They know it's how to creep into my life. And if I'd have been down somewhere in those 10 days, that probably would have creeped in. What if I could see myself now looking in the mirror? Am I losing weight? Am I becoming skin and bones? Walking up to other guys that I, I, I'm training with and learning from you. Hey, man, flex your arms real quick. All right, I'm, I'm keeping pace with you. I haven't lost my muscle mass. Listen, if I went 10 days like Daniel did with nothing but vegetables and water, be honest with you, I'd probably be having night visions of bacon and sausage and, and steak and all that wonderful stuff. But Daniel, he goes through this for 10 days. And here's the, the Bible doesn't record his thoughts. The Bible doesn't tell us what's going on in his mind. Here's what the Bible says. For 10 days, he made that stand. Didn't eat the king's meat. It's the pulse and the water. And he makes this private stand. This between him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Melzar, the prince of the eunuchs, and he just makes it, but there is an immediate result. Verse number 15, 10 days, it's proving time. He stands before him. And he stands before this prince of the eunuchs. Look at verse number 15. At the end of the 10 days, their countenance appeared fairer than 
fatter. Well, that's a miracle. Why, preacher? Because listen, if all you're eating is vegetables and water, I've never seen anybody do that and get fatter. There's, there's this whole thing out there where people say, I'm going on the Daniel diet. I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going on the Daniel diet. You might want to read your Bible. <laughs> Ten days later, Daniel doesn't look fair. Daniel was fatter. His countenance had changed. Find another diet. I don't think that one's going to work for you. But we see here this morning, there's this immediate result. They had a fairer countenance. They had fatter flesh. Melzar's realization, look at verse number 16. Then Melzar took away the portion. Of the, that means he kept bringing it to him. He kept bringing it to him. Then he realized, they don't need this anymore. There's something different about that boy, Daniel. He made a stand and it's working. See, there's a lot of times in our life you'll ask the preacher, when are they going to start leaving me alone? When are those people that I used to run with, I used to do those things with, I used to hang out with it, when are they going to leave me alone, preacher? When they see you make a stand and make it consistently, constantly, they're going to say, ain't no point to bring this stuff around no more. They don't want it anymore. It doesn't bother them anymore. They're not intrigued by it anymore. Some people only stop once they see you that you're serious and willing to take a stand. We see the immediate result. He took the meat away. He said, them boys don't need it no more. Their God's doing miraculous things for them. But notice this, verse number 17, there was a spiritual increase as well. Look at verse number 17. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. And, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. I wish I could say this morning that when you take a stand, everything will work out perfectly as you planned it out. Everybody will recognize like Melzar did and everybody get on board with you. But as far as I read my Bible, it was just Daniel and those three boys that abstained from it. But God gave them something far better than just success. Just a, a wonderful influence. He gave them knowledge. He gave them understanding. He gave them wisdom. Here, here, here's, here's, don't miss this this morning. They received from God knowledge, wisdom, understanding, learning. They received that from God by rejecting the very source that was trying to give them those things. That's what King Nebuchadnezzar was trying to do. Right? He, was trying to, he was trying to make these guys more wise, more Chaldean, more Babylonian, more learned. And they rejected the meat of his, of his table and God said, listen, because you stand, I'll give you something that nobody else is going to get. Nobody else is going to receive. It came because they made a stand for God. Here's the thing. When you read your Bibles, when you find out they received something that took them a lot further than the king's meat did. Matter of fact, when it comes to the book of Daniel, as far as the Jews are concerned, we only know four of them. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I, only remember, I can only remember their Babylonian names half the time. But they, why? They received something that they needed more than meat. But then notice the king's assessment. Three years passes. I mean, ten days. Whew. That'd be rough. Pulse and water. They were set up for three years. Three years, nothing but pulse and water. And Daniel makes that stand for three solid years. And they bring him before the king. Verse number 19, the king communed with them. Verse number 18, now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. He's not just a, a small little king here. At this time, Nebuchadnezzar is king of the world, the known world at the time. And the king communed with them, and among them was all found none, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
Therefore, therefore stood they before the king. Here's what the king had to say. In all matters of wisdom and understanding, the king inquired. He had some questions for them. <laughs> I could see it right now. He had, here's, the king's not privy to what's been happening. I don't think Melzar went and said, hey, king, there's four boys here, and uh, they're not eating any meat, right? The king has no idea what's going on. But I, I can see as he brings in one who's ate the meat, one who's, who's went along with everything and, 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 and became more Babylonian than the word Jewish. He asked some questions. Well, king, I don't know. What good are you? Why did I even feed you? You didn't learn what I wanted you to learn. What's wrong with you? And here come these four boys. The king starts asking questions of them. What about this? What about that? How would you handle this? How would you govern here? How would you lead the people here? What would you do here? And they just rattle off the answers. Just like that. And he steps back and says, the four of y'all are completely different from everybody else. Y'all learned something they didn't learn. They must all miss the class that y'all are in. They all probably ate too much the night before and fell asleep in class. What's wrong with What's wrong with everybody else? Why can't they all be like you? But notice what he said right here in verse number 20. Inquired of them, and he found them not just a little bit better. We're talking exponentially better, 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were all in all his realm. He said, there ain't nobody that compares to y'all four. So you don't realize this morning, one small private personal stand will have an impact. that goes way beyond you could ever imagine. The king, and here's the thing this morning, the king took pleasure in their, Nebuchadnezzar took pleasure in their stand, even though he didn't know they made it. Can I say the Lord, the king of kings, takes pleasure when you and I make a stand. Even if nobody else makes it, he takes pleasure when we do this morning. The king of kings takes pleasure in those who take a consistent personal stand for him. Yeah, let me ask you, if you take a personal stand for God, do you think you'll lose or do you think you'll gain? Oh, you may not make money. Yes, you might lose your job. And yes, people may come against you. And people will not understand you. And nobody else will jump on your bandwagon. But it's okay. Because you'll gain things that only people who make a stand can gain. I encourage you this morning to, in those areas of your life to make a personal stand. Don't expect everybody else to jump on. But make it because of what the Lord told you to do this morning. Let's all stand this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed.